0: How's everybody doing this morning? Woo,
1: woo. Last Sunday of
0: 2012, woo! <laughs> My name is Albertina. I am an SUM Bible College student. Um, and I am just glad to be here this morning. Um, I just want to share with you guys a testimony that is actually... Um, by far one of the best testimonies I have. I, um, I lost my brother this year in January. And my family was kind of divided for a long time. And I prayed and we prayed, my family, the ones who are saved, and I. we prayed. I have one sister who is just completely out of touch with everything. And um, on cr- the night before Christmas Eve, it hit us, it hit me. And I believe it hit my mom and my other sister, whom we're saved, um, that my brother is not here and we would not hear him this year. We would not be able to come. But, um, so we prayed and we were like, just God, you know, give us strength, allow us to walk, enjoy in your presence, and to remember that you do everything for the good of those who love you. And um, my sister Susan, who is very rebellious towards us and just persecuted us all through the year didn't want anything to do with us she called my sister and says I am dying I don't wanna live I am hurt I'm depressed I don't wanna breathe my brother's gone my kids don't like me I need God I just need God and um, that was for us an amen because that's what we had been praying for the whole year So to make a long story short, Christmas Eve, we spent it together as an entire family. We surprised my mother. She had no idea we were all going to be together. And one sister says, let's do it for the sake of my brother. And another sister said, let's do it for the sake of my mother. And I said, let's do it for the sake of my sister who is lost in the world and doesn't know the love of God. Let's show her this love of God. And by God's grace, we were able to do that. So that brought me to this scripture in um, Psalm 80. and it says restore us oh lord god almighty make your face shine upon us shine upon us that we may be saved so i just want to give the lord all the glory this morning for this beautiful evening and for for this beautiful morning and also for new year's eve that we will be spending together i just praise him right now so let's just bow our heads and pray real quick Thank you, Lord, Father God, for restoration. Thank you, God, for bringing a broken family together by your divine hand, God. It's all in your timing, God. I pray that every single person here will stay faithful to prayer and continue believing in your word, God, that you make breakthroughs, Father God, that your hand and your word is powerful and it lives in us forever. Let's get ready to worship God Almighty.
2: Oh, come on, lift your hands in the air right now. You're faithful, God,
3: oh. Your faithfulness extends to me. You've been faithful to me, Lord. Oh come on, when you
2: think about this year, has it been faithful to you right now? Come on. We worship you, God. We lift you up right now. Whoa!
3: Give me Your song right now. Faithful Lord.
4: Put your
2: hands together this morning. It's the last Sunday of the year. Come on, we're gonna go out with praise. Amen. Come on. Let me sing it. I am chosen.
3: Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this place. More aware of your presence. Let us experience. Come on, do you want that this morning? Can you say that? Let us be. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your one more time, let us let us become more aware of your. Let us experience the glory of your so one more time. Let us, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of God. One more time, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience. Come Lord. on, just lay out. you. We give glory to your name, God. You're worthy to be praised, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are good in this place, God. You are good, Jesus. You are good, Lord. You are good, Jesus. Come on, a couple more moments. Come on, keep telling the Lord how good he is. Can we bless him in this place? Can we bless him in this place? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Jesus, you are worthy of my praise, God. You are good, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy in this place. Come on, keep praising him, church. Come on, we don't need the drums. We don't need the music to worship our God. Come on, lift up your voice in this place. You're worthy, Jesus. You're faithful. You're faithful all the time, God. We bless your name, Jesus. You're worthy, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you in this place, God. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. time for you holy ghost to speak oh, you're welcome in this place give us ears to hear what you're saying I
5: Oh, God. God is so, so great, and I just want to bring to your attention, for those of you who may not know, in recent news, Russia has stopped America, It's, it's so sad, Russia has stopped America from adopting orphans from within Russia. Roughly 500,000 orphans cannot be adopted by anyone living in the U.S. It's, it's so sad. I want us to, to think about the implications of this. It means that the, no Christian in, in America is in the, one of the wealthiest countries, and, and therefore Christians are one of the wealthiest people on earth, four-fifths of the world. We're, according to four-fifths of the world, Americans are rich. And we cannot adopt any of the 500,000 orphans. And that country, you know, just a matter of a generation ago, came out of communism. So what does that mean? That means that Christians outside the U.S. have to do that. And so right now I want to pray with this heart, with God's heart for orphans. James one twenty-seven: that true religion that God accepts is to care for the orphan and the widow. It's it's a religion that's pure and faultless, James says. Pure and faultless to take care of the widow. Let's let's pray that Christians will rise up, Christians in other countries will rise up and take care of these orphans. The Bible says to defend the cause of the weak and the orphan. God's heart is all over the orphans. Amen. So let, let, us, let us pray. God, I pray, God, that, that we as Christians, Lord God, first, first we pray, Lord God, that America will, will be let in again, Lord Jesus, that Russia will let down its guard, Lord God. will let down its guard, Lord God, and that we would also help Christians in other countries, Lord God, raise up, Lord God, and go after these orphans, Lord God, defend the cause of these orphans, Lord God. To, Lord God, being a, you are the father to the fatherless, God. Lord, that says it all, Lord God, and we've all come from certain backgrounds, God, Lord God, where our fathers have been either limited in our lives or we have no fathers or no parents, God. God, only you can relate to these orphans, Lord God. God, only you can reach them, only you can save them, Lord. God, do not let these orphans, God, just just get lost in the system. Lord God, with no true parent, Lord God, to look after them, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God, prosper us and enable us, Lord God, especially those, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, living in poorer countries, Lord God, who don't have the finances, Lord God. Lord God, we are thinking about these orphans, Lord God, I know it's on your heart as well. God, so defend them. Help us defend them. God, give us the resources needed, God. Lord God, we will not forget them, Lord God, because we were once orphans, Lord God. We were once orphans, Lord God, without you, but then you adopted us as your sons and daughters, God. God, we believe in adoption, Lord God. Maybe not all of us are called to adoption, Lord God, but... Lord God, but we have a heart, Lord God, for these orphans. God, bring them to you. Save them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise God. Give me a clap of praise. Amen. 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 Uh, before you guys take a seat. I want, I want now it's going to be time to dismiss the children so children grades uh, kindergarten through fifth grade go to your left towards the the sound booth uh parents you know, please direct them and as you take a seat, just be careful of the person that might might be uh passed out in the Holy Spirit make sure you don't sit on them amen 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 how many of you are excited to be here today in the presence of the Lord? I have a great message for you. Uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. My name is Chris Vitali, I'm the campus pastor of the of MPI Wicker Park, Metro Praise International, the Wicker Park location. Over there, we love to talk about Jesus, so um, that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. <laughs> Amen. So go with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Uh, this is a great verse. Let me give you kind of a, the context of this verse. Uh, it's going to be verse... Verse 8, the context, this, this passage, Jesus is, is washing the feet of his disciples. And, and when he gets to Peter, Peter's like, no. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is saying, unless I make you clean, you, have, you cannot be with me. We are not in accord here. There's no agreement between us if I don't wash you clean. Now, to get behind the symbolism, because there's a lot of symbolism here, but when Jesus washed, washed his disciples' feet, that was so, so, many, so much symbolism is in there. For example, Jesus humbled himself into one of the lowest positions in that society at the time, cleaning someone's feet, okay, and then also in servitude to his disciples, okay? But let me, let me just give it to you right quick straight to the heart, okay? Jesus said, unless, you, unless I wash you, unless I wash you of your sin, unless I cleanse you from all the filth that's in your life, then you have no part with me. Now, a lot of us have a lot of filth, right? I mean, just, just think, of, think about feet in general. Feet are disgusting, okay? And so he, he washed his disciples' feet. But what did the disciples have to do first? They had to take off their shoes. Imagine trying washing your feet with your shoes on. It doesn't work, Go ahead and try it when you get home. It will not work. And it's and also other symbols in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, of taking off the shoes. That's symbolic of surrender, giving up your rights. Okay, in, in Ruth, there's a whole story with Boaz where uh, with the, the kinsman that was going to, uh, was in, next in line to marry her, he took off his shoe and said, okay, I'm giving up my right to marry her and to buy this land, and he gave it to Boaz. So there's so much symbolism behind there. So what do you need what do you need to do first first you need to surrender to god everyone say surrender you need to give up your right to sin because we have a right to sin don't we i mean is jesus you know just coming down and saying no you cannot sin," and stopping us no he has given us free will we can choose to do right we can choose to do wrong and what does the bible say choose this day to do right choose the right choose life amen and let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Now, in regards to washing of the feet, Jesus makes us clean. Acts 3, 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When you, when you get washed, yeah, I mean, you guys taken baths before. If you, you take a bath, you get refreshed. You're fresh. You feel so fresh and clean. So fresh and so clean, clean, amen. Jesus refreshes us. But what do we have to do first? We have to repent and turn to God. And those times are refreshing where you're no longer going to feel the guilt of your sin. No longer going to feel filthy, amen. Please stand with me and let us pray. Oh, Jesus. God, I thank you for your cleansing power, Lord God. Lord God, it's more powerful than Mr. Clean, God. God, you clean more perfect and more down to the root, Lord God, than any other, anything can. God, so we ask you to cleanse us, Lord God, from the filth of this world, God. We surrender our right to sin, our right to, uh, to obe- or, our, our right to obedience, Lord God. We will obey you, God, and we will not obey this world. God, I ask you, Lord God, to save us. Save us this day, Lord God. We repent, God, and we turn to you, God. We give up, Lord God, our sexual morality, Lord God. We give up our drugs, God. We give up our addictions, God, in the name of Jesus. God, and we surrender them to you. For you are the Lord of our lives, Lord God. Because if you're not Lord of all, Lord God, you're not Lord at all. So we surrender it to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's praise God a hand of praise and right now we're going to do our confession of faith so if any any of you need a copy of the confession of faith so you can have it before you and you can read just raise your hand one of our ushers will bring one straight to you let me just explain the creed a little bit the reason why we do this confession of faith because one confession is deeply rooted in our faith and faith, obviously is not separated, but it's fully integrated into our lives. Uh, we should live out our faith with, with action and in power through the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is our worldview, what, how we view the world, and we view it through the eyes of Jesus. Okay, so when you can look at your neighbor, we, when you look at your neighbor, this, this faith, these, these, these things about Jesus, we should see our neighbors through it. Amen. And so here is our confession of faith, repeated, repeated after me, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind, it is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone, amen, shout hallelujah, hallelujah, greet your name with a hug and and a holy kiss.
6: National this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's so good to see you here. And look to your other neighbor and say, I want you to keep on coming. Amen. Wonderful. Our services here at Metro Praise are every Sunday at 10 a.m. Wednesdays we have our Kids King's Kids program at 7 p.m. and Fridays are our youth service night at 7 p.m. And I just want to take some time right now, and I want to challenge you, those of you who have children 10 and under, I want you to bring your kids to Wednesday nights. It is our time. Men and women of God, leaders who are sacrificing their time to disciple your children, and if you yourself do not have a child within that age group, knock on your neighbor's door and bring their kids i want us as a church to invest ourselves into the lives of children this year can i get an amen about that and the same thing for our teenagers if you have children 11 to 18 bring them to youth group they need more of jesus than just on a sunday we want to influence your teenagers to go after god we don't want them to only be influenced by all of their friends at school and just a side note here which is such a devastation which shows just the, the condition our, our nation is in. In Chicago alone, we have had 500 murders in our city in 2012, and I believe that still puts us at number one on the homicide list, that we lead the nation in, in murders. So we have to invest our life and our time to bring these children to church. Amen. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We want to ha- give you guys some announcements that are coming up. The first thing that's starting January 1st, very, very exciting. My husband, Pastor Joe, he has invested his time to starting a one year devotional. Okay? So, yes, get it, let's get a whoop whoop for that. So every single day. For every year starting January 1st 2013 there is a daily reading plan every month has a theme please check out the website if you do not frequently go there all of our news updates upcoming events are on our website so please check that out if you want more details specifically about the devotional and our next announcement is for our winter retreat Yes, thank you. And I want us to get a little bit more excited than even that, which that was a good response, though. But we have so much fun on our retreats. And this is just one of the two times a year that we get to get out of the city as a church family and just go after God. So we have our winter retreats and our summer retreats. And this winter retreat has more of a spiritual emphasis. So I want us to get excited. So I want this side on the count of three. I want you to beat them in your loudness, or you guys can beat this side in their loudness. So on the count of three, I want us to get really, 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 really excited about this winter retreat. So when I count to three, you're going to say, what, what? And this side is going to say, uh-oh, okay, And we're going to keep doing it over and over as fast as we can. So so you guys got to win, okay? So you guys can't let the other side undo you, okay, Or outdo you. So are you guys ready? So you guys on the count of three are going to say, what, what? Uh Uh-oh! You guys got it? One, two, three! Amen! Give yourselves a hand clap. So, the Glorious Gospel is our theme. It is a conference-style retreat. You do not want to miss it. January 18th and 19th, these are all the sessions. I won't tell you each one, but each session has a title um of the gospel that we will be sharing with each service having its own speaker so you won't only be hearing from one person so please start asking your job to get off for these days and just invest your time invest your family to get away and go after god can i get an amen and this time i'm going to call up pastor griselda and she's going to talk to us about spiritually preparing ourselves for this time Amen. If you guys can please open up your Bible to Luke
7: 6:12. Luke 6:12. This winter retreat is such an amazing time. It's a getaway with Jesus. All right, you're setting yourself apart. And so in order to prepare for that, we want to encourage you to consecrate yourself. Say consecrate. That means to set yourself apart even now within these next couple of weeks. We encourage you to fast, to pray, just to set yourself apart in any way that you can know, that you can get into God's presence just a little bit more than you normally do. You can opt to fast from food, if you know that's something that takes a lot of your time. That's a good thing to fast from. You know, say, I'm gonna skip breakfast this morning, and I'm just gonna get into God's presence, and I'm gonna hear what he has to say for me. For others, we might opt to fast from media, All right, no Facebook, no, you know, just searching the web and say, God, you know what? I'm going to give you this time. I'm just going to get into your presence because it's so important to prepare yourself for what God has for you. We want to make this time so special. And in this season, just encourage you to spend more time with the Lord. Amen. So Luke 6, 12 says, one of those days, Jesus went out to to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. So if Jesus knew the importance of getting away with the Father and just spending quality time with him, how much more do we need to do that? Let me tell you, God's going to do something so powerful in your life. He's going to do it in you and through you. And you just want to be open to receive everything that he has for you. And it's just going up from there. It's amazing time. And so with these next couple of weeks, again, I'm going to encourage you, just fast, just pray a little more. Whatever the Lord leads you and
6: how he wants you to do it, go after God. Amen? Amen. It's very important that you guys come expecting, and that's why we wanted Griselda to share that with you because we want you to come with goals in your heart, things that you want God to do, to speak to you, uh, to transform your family, to take you to another level. So come expecting from God. Amen. Our vision here at Metro Praise is to love God and love people. And the reason why we have that as our vision is because Jesus simply states those two things as the two greatest commandments. And so it was just fitting for us as a church when we started to say we want to follow after Jesus according to the two greatest commandments that he had put into place, which was to love God and to love people. Our discipleship strategy is very clear and precise. It is to connect, mentor, and send. And when we when we say connect, we want to connect people to Jesus through the cross. We want people to get plugged in, uh, through our weekly life groups. And so when they first come, we want them to know that there's a place where they can continue to learn about Jesus and grow in their faiths. So we want you to connect to the weekly life groups that we have, our leaders opening up their home to you. So if you have not found a life group yet, please do so because it, it is so beneficial to your walk with the Lord. And then we mentor you. And this is very, very important to us as a church because we are a discipleship-based church. And that is one of our big emphasis That we have here and so we have the 101 book that we take every new believer through and even if somebody comes to us from another church who has already been a believer this is a step that we want you guys to take and this book will change your life and this is done one-on-one with your life group leader every week every other week you plan it and it's just basically seven chapters seven steps to your spiritual growth and our 201 class disciples that make disciples as soon as you graduate and have gone through the process of the first book you are able to join a class Sunday mornings and dive into the word learn how to defend your faith understand why the church is here and the role that you get to play in that and then we send and that is our other big emphasis that we have here, is where we want to live lives of uh, of evangelism the Bible says do the work of an evangelist and so we want you guys to get out of your comfort zone and go into the communities, go into the streets, the high schools, uh, to your coworkers, and continually and consistently preach the gospel of Jesus. How many of you guys are excited that you're a part of a church that wants you to tell other people about the Lord? Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. So um, going back to the discipleship strategy, send is the last step to that. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago alone with 50 churches and 500 around the world. I want you guys to get excited to believe with me that through the power of God, prayer, discipleship, us fulfilling all the discipleship strategies, that we will have 50 churches, 100,000 disciples. Give Jesus a hand clap this morning. And in your heart, know that you play a part in accomplishing that goal metro praise amen and it is a vision that has been given to us from the Lord and it is our mandate now to accomplish that and to be faithful to it and we want you guys to come along for the ride because it's bumpy and sometimes it's smooth but it's fun and it's all about Jesus and spreading the gospel I want us to now uh, prepare to take our tithes and offerings a tithe is 10% of your total income and missions Offering is uh, what you give above your tithe along with our building funds. So 10% goes to the tithe, and anything you give above the 10% will either go to missions or will go to our building funds so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do in the city and around the world. And as you prepare to give, I want to read to you from Acts 20:35. Paul's heart was always to encourage the churches, to mature them and to encourage them to keep on giving to the Lord. And in Acts 20:35 he says, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want to just challenge you as we close out this year of 2012, if you have fallen behind in your tithes, Now is the time to catch up. Enter this new year knowing with a clean conscience that you have been faithful to everything that belongs to God. Because if you really think about it, 100% of what we have belongs to the Lord. But all he asks back in return so that we can continue to preach the gospel is that 10%. So continue. For those who have been faithful, please continue to do so. For some of you who have maybe gotten off track and you might owe the Lord something let today be that day as you close out this new year before we get into 2013 that you say I'm gonna get all my finances in order everything that I've owed to the Lord today is a day that I am going to do it so let's get into that new year knowing that we have been faithful to God because it is better to give than to receive because ultimately everything we do for the kingdom has eternal value everything in this world is going to perish the clothes on our back the houses we live in the only thing that will not be burned up on that last day is everything we gave to the lord and what we did to further the gospel of jesus christ so give to be a blessing you are blessed to be a blessing amen for your convenience we have um uh, made it Uh, easy for you to give online if you desire to do so through your credit card bill and so if you want to look on the website those are all the options that you have if you can stand up to your feet with me as we get ready to declare the scripture verse luke 6 38 now on the count of three you can speak out the verse with me one two three give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Jesus, we just thank you, God, for your faithfulness to our life. We offer this tithe and offering to you, God, as a sweet aroma before you. We thank you for being faithful to us. We give, God, not under compulsive compulsion, but out of a grateful and a thankful heart. We give back to you, God, what belongs to you. And we know, Jesus, that out of the 90%, it is more than enough to accomplish what we need for our life. You will never let the righteous to go begging. And so we just thank you, God. and We give to you. Use it. Multiply it, God, for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come up as you give.
1: love Jesus. Amen. Can I just tell you I love you guys? I do. I do so much. Uh, Just want to let you know my heart. Last week and this week I still feel the same way. I just feel like this religious holiday season takes your passion and your attention away from God. I really do. Look at all these empty chairs. It grieves my heart as a pastor because this church doesn't want to try to like bribe you to come on a Sunday. We don't want like you're, you know, I think singing for children on a stage is great or giving away a free gift. And I'm so happy you're here and I'm not going to beat you up today. But I just want you to know that I want to pray. So I want uh, Rachel to come back up because what it does in my heart as a pastor, um, when I see the holidays do this to a church, it, it grieves my heart. Because I feel like if we don't entertain you, if we don't do those things that other churches are doing to compete for you or or whatever, or or even when you come here, even when you came here today, like I'm sitting back there and I'm just like, this worship is not passionate like it is every week. This And, and it's not just even a crowd thing, because I'm used to preaching to 10 people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I can just tell like we're just, we're not going after God like we should. You know, we're we're not pressing in like we ought to. Adam, would you just come up here if she's in the back with her baby? So I want you just to stand up to your feet with me, and I want you to repent for our nation. I want you to repent for the backslidden church of this country. And I want everybody to look at me today right now. Please make eye contact before we pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get it? Okay, I want to just make eye Do you get what I'm saying, brother? Do, do you all get it? We get distracted during this time. We, we are like just showing up here like this is, what, just another Sunday? But it's not as exciting as our family time with, was with Christmas. It's like I notice people's enthusiasm just goes down. It's always like the week after Easter. See, Easter, people will be like, man, I'm coming to church, you know, because it's like, you know, I got to come. But like for us, man, they, they know there ain't nothing special here for them. There ain't no Christmas present. There's no bribe, and I have nothing against it. But there's no bribe for them. And so, and so people are like, well, you know, I'm tired from the holidays, whatever. I'll stay home. And then we 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 drop in numbers. And then those of you who come, I don't know if it affects you. Like if you look around, you're like, man, the same, uh, you know, the same amount of people aren't here or whatever. I don't know if it affects the band. I don't know who it affects and why. But all I know is that the momentum the enthusiasm for our God doesn't show up here last week or this week and granted you guys are going to pray and we're going to repent and when those people kind of come back and some of you are influenced by the crowd it will kind of you know you know start to go back to normal and it'll be like as a pastor be like okay the holidays are over and I'm like thinking to myself the holidays are holy days i mean like that's what it was supposed to be about (laughs) like how how did we in america get to be so away from god that when we come to church this is not the exciting thing anymore that's why i mean just i as a pastor i want you just to hear me as we get ready to pray that's why as a pastor i kind of like i push back because there were times in my life when i would go along with the flow and I would be like, man, I want I want your family to come on Christmas. So I'm going to have I'm going to have Jesus come in Santa's sleigh from the ceiling. And then when he comes, Jesus and Santa's sleigh from the ceiling, he's going to throw you out candy canes. And so tell all your friends for the next month, Jesus is coming to town through the ceiling, and we're going to throw out candy canes. And then like. We would have a lot of people. You get what I'm saying? Or we would do stuff like, you know, come for family portraits. You know, come with your family in a Santa hat. And then we're going to take family portraits with you in a Santa hat so you can put it on Facebook and it looks cute. I mean, I understand. You guys get what I'm talking about? Like, I understand marketing. Everybody say marketing. But this last year of my life, I feel like I've gone back to that early stage of my ministry. Like, eight years ago when I was just crazy radical. Because I just feel like after all these years of doing this, we still have a small amount of disciples that get it. And it's like even though we can have come ride a reindeer Sunday and you'll bring your friends and family, you know, people will come, man, dude, where are you going to church? Well, I was thinking about going to First Baptist because they had sit on Santa Jesus photo opportunity. No, I'm going to Metro Praise because they have ride a reindeer Sunday. Ooh, really yeah but there's a church down the road that has ride a reindeer sunday and get a free candy cane with your favorite scripture inscribed on it like the big kind that's you know the scribe on it and it's and i'm glad we're laughing because i'm not mad at you guys because you guys come but what i'm upset about is like the way we're responding to this as a church i would hope better for us okay Adam's got a great message today. He's going to be preaching. I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But would you just close your eyes with me? We're just going to focus on God. And right now, we're just going to just pray for our nation. We're just going to pray for the nation of America. All the trouble we're going through right now. All that we're facing as a nation. Murders in Chicago. Our young people. Violence. Drugs. So, you know, just perversion The fiscal clip. And right now, we're just going to pray And say, Jesus, you're bigger than our problems Jesus, you're bigger So would you just pray that right now Even if you've never prayed before You can just simply say this Jesus, be great in America today If, if you don't know how to pray Just say, Jesus, would you be great in America again? Would you capture our attention again? And then as you're praying that, would you pray for people you know that during this holiday season should be in church but are not? They're sleeping in. They're doing other things. Maybe your family members, you spent time with them. They're not here. You know, we should pray because that's the only hope for them is Jesus. Jesus, Father, have mercy on this land. Oh, God, I don't want to beat up your people this morning and make them feel condemned for being here because they did what was right. But, Lord, I want their passion to increase. Let them see what this service is about, God. It's about loving you and loving others. And, God, you deserve the glory. You deserve the passion. We shouldn't have to wait to the third song before we start raising our hands and singing. God, we should enter into your courts with thanksgiving, into your house with praise. And now, would you just place your hand over your heart with me? Just place your hand over, over your heart. And just say, Lord, if there is any laziness in me, If there is any lack of enthusiasm in me, Lord, if I've been easily distracted, Lord, if there is a tired spirit in me, Lord, would you change me? Lord, would you change my focus right now? May I hear your word being preached, this holy word, God. May I sing your songs at the end again better than I did at the first. May my passion be with you today, God. May my enthusiasm be for you today, God. And Lord, I just repent on behalf of pastors for this city and for this nation that continually dumb down and water down your message until the gospel message is the equivalent of David Letterman's five-minute opening act on the late night show, where it's, The equivalent of an American Idol contestant. God, where we have watered your gospel down to where it's so man centered, so packaged, where if it doesn't glitter and shine and have a touch of Hollywood, we aren't impressed. Lord, I ask you to forgive us as pastors for being so insecure that because we want people to fill our churches, We change what your message was on hillsides and beaches of Galilee when you would speak, God. You didn't say, come and hear me. I have the best juggler in town. Come and hear me. We're going to have the best singer in town. You would just speak, God. And on those shores of Galilee, crowds would gather because what you were saying was life-changing. You would go to hillsides and mountaintops, even in barren places, and people would travel long distances to hear what you were saying because they weren't hearing it from the Roman Empire. They weren't hearing it in their Jewish synagogues. What you were saying were the words of life. May our hearts as pastors again preach the words of life And would you draw people unto you? Because you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. So, Lord, in this church, Metro Praise, help us to lift you up. In Jesus' name. Can you give them a hand clap of praise? Amen. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, that was for you? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As you're finding your way back to your seat, would you open up your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, verse 19, Philippians two nineteen. thank you for being here. We are so appreciative of what you are doing. Uh, we're going to be having an end-of-the-year giving report sometime in January, but let me just share with you, from going from Irving here to diversity, God has been faithful, and, and that's because you have been faithful, and I just want to thank you for that. So can we bless the Lord for your faithfulness? Amen. Would you do that with me? Amen. I want to let you know that now going into the new year, we have some great things that are going to be coming up. And one of those things is I'm going to be preaching less and spiritual sons and daughters of the ministry are going to be preaching more. Some of you may be real excited about that and that's okay. Um, I want you to see what Philippians chapter 2 verse 19 says concerning Paul and his spiritual sons and daughters. I've spent over eight years of my life here in Chicago planting this church, starting with my wife and I in our house, and now today we have this campus in Wicker Park, and when you were here for the ordinations, we graduated over ten full-time ministers into the ministry, and they are equipped with a Bible college education, fully accredited. Fully accredited, not just a Bible institute or a Bible study, Bible college. As real as Moody Bible College is, as real as uh, Trinity Bible College is, Wheaton Bible College, this is the first. Let me just clarify this because some of you may not have heard this. It's our boast in the Lord. What you saw graduate here, because I said at their graduation, but then become pastors, was the first class in Chicago's history as a city to graduate from a spirit filled. Bible college. So I want you to understand this. As long as Chicago has ever been a city, there has never been a group of people that have started a program in the city that was a Bible college, fully accredited program, and then graduated. You would say, man, that's, that's amazing. How come we don't hear about that? Because our boast is in God and in heaven. But that is the first. And I want you to think about this. Moody Bible College, Wheaton Trinity, all these great Bible colleges, North Park University are not spirit-filled. That means they don't believe in speaking in other tongues, casting out devils, laying their hands on the sick. And all of these years, the spirit-filled churches have been sending their students to North Central Bible College with the Assembly of God to uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Oral Roberts University down in Oklahoma. Uh, we've been sending our students. I was in the Midwest. I went all the way down to New orleans to go to the bible college and through our efforts now other churches have adopted the same program that we have here and we were the first to start it and to graduate it can we hear say can i hear say to glory be god glory be to god amen well now what our plan is moving forward is i want to begin to release them to start preaching because that's who they are. They're pastors. Amen. And, and when we get to that conference, the, to the winter retreat, I want you to come excited because they're going to be leading it up and pouring into you. And this is going to be just a never done thing before because we've normally brought in a guest speaker and they, they preach the whole entire time. You're going to be hearing from different ones of your pastors and, and just the subject of the gospel that's going to blow your mind. We're going to give you a manual and notes to go with it. Name tags, posters are going to be up so that when we put out the videos and and, and into the bundle on, on the website. You can share it with your friends and be like, from start to finish, this is what our church gave us this weekend about the gospel. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And another thing that we're going to do is, starting in January, the Wicker Park crew has been meeting Friday—excuse uh, me—Sunday uh, nights at 5 p.m. They're going to start having Sunday morning services, so they won't be joining us anymore. So I would like for wherever they are uh, to come. Chris, Vanessa, Ellie, Lilani, and Diana, would you come? Because we want to pray for you guys today. Because you will no longer be seeing them here Sunday morning. They've been running about 30 strong on Sunday nights over there, and we're believing that when they now go to Sunday morning, that God is going to increase them and bring them new people. And so this is uh, Pastor Chris, is your wife here today? Okay, she's in the back with the baby, amen. And then this is, uh, you know, the youth pastor, Ellie and Leilani, and then where did Deanna go? Is she here today? She's in the back. So we just got them all working in the back. Amen. That means Reese Park, people need to step up next week. Amen. Y'all go back there and take care of some of the kids. We want to pray for them. And one of the plans that we have is that the second um, Sunday of every month, Pastor Adam is going to be preaching here. And I will be here. I believe that Pastor Adam is that person that we want to see eventually start our third campus. Now, I want you guys to understand this. My goal, and if you could put the vision up there for me, please, because I'm kind of going all over the place. But uh, I want to put the vision up here first, and then I'm going to pray for them. My goal isn't to build this congregation to 5,000 people. That is not my goal. My goal is to build 50 churches of 100 people. And then from those 50 churches, to let each one of them grow to 2,000, to make 100,000. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Two years ago, before some of you guys were here, we had a plan that when we left this location to go to uh, Irving, uh, would you put up the vision there for me, Ellie? Would you help him back there? Berto's like, what in the world? Did he figure it out? Look at you. Go and help him. Make sure it happens, though. I'm not quite sure he still knows what he's doing. He's just like, it's kind of like slid in there. There it is. He's trying. He's trying really hard right now. So when we went to Irving Park, it was like, okay, we were here. Now we go to Irving, a little bit bigger of a building. And then we'll have two services there. And then we'll go to a little bit bigger of a building, a little bit bigger of a building. And what we've always had is this vision from the day we started the church eight years ago very few churches can say that that's you know once again another thing that we give glory to god that we've never changed this this will never change okay so we love god love people connect mentor and send and then that goal has been put before us and if you think it sounds goofy now to say a hundred thousand with this little of people compared to a hundred thousand could you imagine how goofy it sounded to the natural mind when we had only four people showing up and i was just preaching to these four and i was like say it with me hundred thousand you remember you know hundred thousand disciples fifty churches and they're like pastor we're barely hanging on with this church. I don't even know if you call this a church. This is like a Bible study. But David and Monica, David, would you raise your hand? Uh, David remembers the first service. You were at the first service. Do you remember this being spoken? From the first service of this day, it's been spoken. Now, so, so we go from here to Irving, and we're like, man, let's just keep you know, going bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's why I believe God put the brakes on that. We realigned. We came back here because God is showing us the method now. So, for example, when Starbucks starts doing well, Starbucks doesn't say, let's build one now the size of Walmart. Starbucks says, let's keep the model that we have and put another one down the road. When Walgreens does well, they don't say, let's build a, Wal- uh, a Walgreens the size of a Walmart. They say, let's put another Walgreens right down the road. Are you all tracking with me? Now, there's a good thing for walmarts walmarts are super big and they're all of that but you can only really have one or two in a city and there are some churches that that's what they want they want to be as large and in charge as they can be and we say god bless you go for the gold amen go for the gold but we want to build disciples that's our focus and so we believe if this is now our starbucks model for a seating with at least 100 adults and children for at least 30 children in the back. We can now see this as our goal. If we can pay the bills here, we can then go to the next place and do it. And I'm assuming that when many of you walked in here, you felt what we've all felt as we've seen this, uh, that this design is pretty awesome for a storefront. Because you walk in and you're like, wow, I didn't know this was going to look like that. Well, that's because my friend is a like a professional designer and he designed this because when we were here, it looked nothing like this, okay? And we got a little discouraged with it, you know? But now that we understand we can do it like this, it makes common sense. So if you look at this door, that door, and then the door you came in, that is three separate storefronts. This is one storefront to this pillar right here, the next one to that brick wall, and to the third one. So if the owner of this building wanted to make three separate stores, he could. Are you guys with me? So with three storefronts, we can build this. When you look around the city, do you ever see three storefronts next to each other? I see them everywhere I go. Storefront, 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 house, storefront, 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 house. Are you guys tracking with me? And so our goal in the future is to not go all the way as far as we went to Wicker Park, but to now say like Fullerton and Cicero. Let's go out from our area and build on what we have going good. So those of you who are here who are feeling comfortable in this location, in this community, when we say we start our third in Fullerton and Cicero, you go, yeah, that's just a little bit closer from where I'm at because, you know, by way of direction we're going, it may just be a little closer. And if 30, 40 of you go over there and we keep 50 or 60 here, then we keep going. And so our plan is to raise up Pastor Adam to be that third one in the next two years. We want to believe in the next 24 months, by God's grace, we can send forth Pastor Adam and a team somewhere in the Fullerton, maybe north as far, that is about as, far as I would want to go, north area, and maybe Cicero, no further than Pulaski, somewhere just in that, visit, that, that, that area over there. Are you guys tracking with me? And then with Chris and Vanessa, what they're thinking right now, because they basically have one storefront, and then right down the road from them is a group of storefronts that are still abandoned. The economy's not doing well. So we want to believe that they can go there and start expanding and building it out to be the same way here. You know, the elevated seats, the stage, the wood paneling, I think all that stuff looks nice, taking off the roof. And we're believing God for that. Are you guys having fun standing here? Okay, so this is what we're going to do second Sunday of month Pastor Adam's going to be preaching all the time now and this is what we told Pastor Adam we said Pastor Adam the moment we talk about this and we put this out there the devil's going to try to attack our relationship the devil's going to try to tell you you don't need to do this go out and start your church now maybe some you know people are going to say oh you don't need Pastor Joe go and do it now so we're going to guard that relationship between Pastor Adam and I as a leadership and I want you guys to guard that relationship can I hear an amen so that means if he starts preaching better than me when he preaches today you don't go, man, man, you, you should start that campus right now. You don't need Joe. You say, you're doing great. And in two years, Lord willing, I'll be with you in two years. You guys get what I'm saying? And then with Pastor Chris and them, I'm going to be preaching there on Sundays because we would no longer see them or the congregation the last Sunday of every month, Okay. And so that, that means starting in February, because January we're doing the retreat, starting in February I'm going to be going there the last Sunday of the month because I want those who at Wicker Park to feel a part of our family. And if you ask me, Joe, what is your goal? Where, where is this thing going? I would like to see at, at least these 50 campuses be where I go once a week for the rest of my life. So if you look at there's 52 weeks in a year, and if there's 50 campuses here in Chicago, and if I visit one a week and I give myself one week off every six months, I'm going to be I. You guys checking me out right here? And so that is my purpose. My plan isn't to build one church of 5,000 and become the mega star. That's not me. What I want to do with your help partnering together is make 100,000 disciples. You ever heard that before? And we want to plant 50 churches. That's like never heard. And then overseas is where we want to keep going and developing and doing things over there. Can I hear an amen? So we won't be seeing them starting next week. Uh, They're going to be doing their thug dizzle for the loaf of shizzle. So would you guys just stretch forth your hands towards them right now. Father God, we've already anointed them, ordained them. But now, Lord, we just ask you to bless them and let them know that our hearts are with them as they go though we may not see them we pray for success in all that they do father god in the youth ministry deanna leading the evangelism ministry for all the new people that are coming there god they're experiencing new growth we just pray you bless wicker park let it be an example for the churches to come forth in the future and lord give them the desires of their heart lord provide for them financially open up doors god for them and just pour out your blessings on them them and make disciples that make disciples through them in jesus name can everybody say amen amen let's bless the lord come on amen y'all may be seated now let's go back to this one philippians 2 19 and onward and adam i promise next time you preach i won't take up all your time like this but they don't mind if you go long because they never mind with me Uh, second uh, uh, philippians 2 19 and onward, I just want to share this with you all as a congregation because as you hear these people coming up and preach, I want you to know why they're coming to preach, what God has done here. Look at Philippians 2.19. I hope in the Lord Jesus. This is Paul speaking. Everybody say, Paul. Thank you. I hope in the Lord to send to you Timothy soon so that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone. Somebody say, everyone. Thank you. Looks out for his own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Everybody say, proved himself. Thank you. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Verse 25. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Everybody say Epaphroditus. Thank you. My brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger. Everybody say also. Thank you, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you. And his distress because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him that we may see him, that you may see him again and be glad, and I may have less anxiety. What we look at when we see these passages is that Paul is a church planner. As Paul is raising up churches, he is developing sons and daughters, and he is sending them out to plant churches. Now, I've seen a lot of churches talk about this. I don't want to keep making comparisons to others, but as a Bible college professor, I always have to give you the full experience here because I don't ever want you to be one-sided. I've heard pastors say apostolic, apostolic, but what they're really saying is it's all about me, it's all about me, and these people underneath me are just doing what I say. From the very beginning of Metro Praise, my heart was always, though I didn't do it perfectly, my heart was always, God, I want to be a part of a team of church planners I want to be a part of a team of leaders I want us to be like the 300 like from Sparta anybody remember Sparta and the Spartans all that you know what I'm saying I got like a mixed song to Skrillex it will freak some of you adults out online young people you'll love it you know what I'm saying but that's how I've always seen us okay David's mighty men in the Bible and now for the first time to be able to say we have these people here we're sending them and they're bringing back reports. And they're comforting my heart. And they're coming to you with good news. And there are some like Adam who have stuck through it in a way where I wouldn't say that Adam has a different relationship with me than a Chris or a Berto and the others, but I would say Adam came from a youth group where there was a ton of young adults, teenagers, 17, 18 years old. He was a part of a baseball team two years into the city championship. They won it one year, played in the Wrigley Field and also Cellular Stadium. He was a part of that team. and There was a lot of young adults that would come, but Adam, I can say, is the only one out of that group that remained faithful. And as we began to have the Bible college, a lot of young men would come to the Bible college and they would say, Pastor, I want to do this, Pastor, I want to do that. And they were gifted and talented like Adam, but they didn't know either how to live holy and stay humble or they didn't know how to submit and do what we were saying. So they got discouraged and quit along the way. And there's no inheritance from them now because they've left. Now if they come back, there'll be a little party for them. Amen. we will get excited. But they're going to have to start Behind the one who has stayed here. And so, what Adam showed me as a youth, because I started as a youth pastor and a senior pastor, two in one, so I would do the Friday youth services and the Sunday services, is what Adam showed me was a hum- humble young man that was hungry for God. I watched him rededicate his life to the Lord, get baptized. I then saw him experience the call of God. He was going to UIC to become a sports therapist, to work in the big leagues and the college level of sports and be there. But God changed his direction. His parents supported him. He went to the Bible college. And while other young men in the Bible college were having pride and doing all of these things, I had no one like him. Because he looked after me like a son does to a father. He looked after the church like this was his home business. And instead of running away from the business saying, I don't want to be in my father's business, he said, no, I'll come early, I'll stay late. While his other brothers were quitting and not wanting to do the family business. Everybody tracking with me? And so today, I want you to honor him. And for the rest of the time, because I won't introduce him like this, but he's been doing our announcements, he'll continue to do so. He's going to keep preaching continually here. And I want to believe, God, that in the next two years, we'll be able to give him an inheritance from this church and to grow his ministry so that it doesn't have to be taken from us. Like, some people have to leave churches and say, man, that pastor didn't understand me. I had to go down the road and start my own church. Like, he had to split a father's business apart. I don't know if you guys ever watch o- CC choppers? Anybody here OCC with the tuttles? You know, it's like the young man had to leave his father's business because he said, I never felt like I got to do the business right. We want to believe, God, that what we start here, we're going to finish. Amen? Pastor Adam, would you come? Would you all stand to your feet? Would you bless the servant, the man of God of faith and power for the hour, Adam Nieves!
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Pastor Joe pretty much took up a lot of my time, but I think I have his permission to stay until five, 5 p.m. Amen. Amen. We have your children locked up. The front door is locked up. So you ain't going nowhere. 5 p.m. it is. Amen. Amen. As I was uh, preparing myself and, and thinking, what can I preach? It's been a while since I preached a Sunday morning service. Matter of fact, a long while maybe about a year ago or something like that i'm like man i wanted something that you guys would understand and and coming up this week this tuesday is actually the new year amen 2013 and there's a lot of things going on and when i think about the new year i'm not sure if it's the same way you think about it but everybody has these new year's resolutions come on raise your hand if you make a list and say this is my new year's resolution ain't nobody you're lying in church come on now (laughs) Some of us, we have these New Year's resolutions, and a lot of the times when we make these things, we put a lot of hope into change, a lot of hope into the future, and today I want to talk to you about biblical hope, amen, and I want to talk about it because coming into this new year, you're going to think like, man, this is going to change, we start planning like dieting, I'm going to get into the gym, I'm going to look right, I mean, I remember 2012 when that came around, I said, man, I'm gonna be the biggest guy ever. And if you look at me, I'm not so big. I mean, I'm working on it. Don't make fun of me. But you know, everybody makes these New Year's resolutions and all these hopes. And I wanted to talk to you today because the way Christians hope and believe is not the same way that people believe and have their hope. You see, I plan by by the power of the Lord that when I preach here today is to take away your hope in things, material people, and put it back on God. You see, I'm hoping that by the time I'm done with this sermon. That your dependency upon God would grow. Say, man, you know what? It's not on my job. Man, it's not on this relationship. If I can get in this relationship, then all would be good. You see, if you're a Christian, if you don't even believe in Christ, I hope that by the end of this, that your hope in people, things, buildings is gone. and That your hope in Christ is renewed. Amen. So let's just pray. Father. Lord, we pray right now that every person here, God, would would begin to open up their hearts. Father, you examine them by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. And as we move into this new year, Father, we start off in hope in you. Help us, teach us today from your word. In Jesus' name, come on and say amen. Amen. I want to give you a working definition of hope, how I found it in a dictionary. It says it like this, a person or thing in which expectations are centered. I'll read it again, a person or thing in which expectations are centered. See, the act of having hope is to put your faith, your trust in things. A lot of us do it, and especially in the church. We come, we put our hope in Christ, but somewhere along the line, we we somehow take it off God. And we begin to put it on things. Like when we get saved, like, man, God, I'm excited. My hope is in you. You can save me but now my hope is in my job because if I don't have a job, then I can't prepare or I can't do things for my family. Man, my hope is in this relationship because that person is going to be my wife or that person is going to be my husband and now my future is going to be all in that. You see, somehow, somewhere along the line, it's so easy to take your hope off of God and then into things. But I want to go over. I got three points for you. The definition of biblical hope, the basis of a believer's hope, and the focus of a believer's hope. And in each one, I want you guys to take notes. Pull out your Bibles. You guys got your owner's manual? Amen. That's your Bible. That's everything you go by. You should have it every single day out the week. It's not just a Sunday where we get into the Word. Bring out your Bible. If you have it on your phone, pull it out. Um, we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. So if you can't keep up with me, just listen to as I'm saying. Because it's the Word of God. And let faith build up in your heart in this place. Amen. I mean, the definition of biblical hope implies a deep assurance and a firm confidence about future things, particularly things that are based on God's promises and what he has revealed to us in his word. You see, the biblical hope is directly related, directly linked to faith and trust in God. It is not simply wishful thinking because a lot of people can say that, well, I have hope. I have hope that, you know, well, I'm going to continue to provide for my kids. And, well, okay, where's the basis? Well, my job. Uh, My hope's in my job. Because then what happens if you no longer have your job? And I've actually had people and my family people that are friends that have lost their jobs. And you look at them like they have no hope. And they fall into these places of depression. Young people, you're in this place and saying, man, this relationship is going to blossom. It's going to flourish. And when that person leaves, what happens? No hope. And somehow God is pushing the back and saying, well, God's not in control because I really thought that was going to happen. Biblical hope directly related to faith and trust in who? In God. Amen. Psalms thirty-three twenty-one says it like this. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. You guys can open up your Bibles to Psalms 146. I want to read this to you with you, and I believe that as you begin to read the word of God, that as you begin to feed your spirit, I believe that the Holy Spirit, when you leave this place, because we could talk about hope and get excited and feel goosebumps, but when you go back and face the thing that you're in, come on, 2013, I was reading it or hearing it on the news, fiscal cliff. Our economy's in probably a bad shape. Everybody's getting worried. What does that mean for you? I hope that when you go back to your house, that the word of God, the Holy Spirit, will begin to bring it to your memory, his word. Amen. So let's read it together. Psalms 146, verses 3 and 5. We'll read it like this. It says, do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Highlight that bolded if you need to. I'll read it again. Do not put your trust in princes, mortal men who cannot save. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. The sure hope of God's people is a hope that does not disappoint. You never walk away and say, man, my hope is in you. God, you failed, but you can never ever say that because if you're really holding on to God, he's faithful. He is faithful to his people. As a matter of fact, that's the next point. The basis of a believer's hope. The basis. What do we base that on? How about this? Number one God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. It's who he is. Scripture reveals to us. You see, the Bible is not just a good word. It's not just a bunch of poems. It's not things to make you feel better, like say, hey, you know what? I need something to pick me up today. Psalms this and oh, that makes me feel better. That's not what the word of God does. It's a testimony unto him. It's his word. And the scripture is filled with stories, with testimonies of people who came before us who lived it out. You guys you got to look at it. You know, the Old Testament. Some of us don't even get into the Old Testament. I had a class, and we had a, it was an Old Testament. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this teacher, he has a monotone voice. I'm going to fall asleep. Old Testament stuff. I'm going to be like, come on. I'm just going to get through. And I just remember going through the stories of God's faithfulness. And in my heart, I'm listening to what the word of God is saying. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that seemed almost impossible. But God was faithful nonetheless. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, there's some things in my life that I'm like, God, I can't see the end of this. But, God, you've been faithful to that person. God, you're faithful to me. Amen. Psalms 22 is a perfect example. David, he's going through some things. As a matter of fact, it's a struggle and a situation that threatens his life. What does he do? Psalms 22:4. It says it like this. It says, in our fathers, in you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. What did David you do there? He reminded himself that man, this is what God has done. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna go back in life in your job right now, back to your families, and you're looking around, you can't find hope. Ain't nothing to be hopeful about. I don't got a job. My 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 kids, they don't listen to me. My family, they hate me. Ain't no hope in that. Where's the hope? David looked back and he looked like, man, God. You were faithful to my fathers. You were faithful. You're going to be faithful to me. I love the Old Testament. There's a whole bunch of stories, and I'm just going to highlight them briefly, of just God's miraculous power. God's power. See, when God gets involved in some things, things change. He's a game changer, amen? In your life, let him in today. Don't be like, well, I'm not sure. Let him in and let him change your life. You see, there's testimonies. this entire book called The Exodus. If you guys don't read your Old Testament, read it. It's a whole entire book about how God has taken his people out from underneath slavery. And when you look at this example in particular, we can read and just think like, oh, that was awesome. But you have to understand, here's the people of God. The God says, you're going to be my chosen people. I call you. I'm going to give you my name. You're going to go out. You're my people. I'll take care of you. And there's a story that God's people fall into slavery. I, I was supposed to hit the mic. and hit myself. <laughs> it's like, like the empty head. Like, psh, ah, that had hurt. But you think to yourself, like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. This, it says that it's God's people. He has their back. He's watching them. Make God, that's the God that you serve? And Egypt was lording over Israel. And then God says, uh uh So he raised up Moses. How many of you guys like that little movie with Moses, the Prince of Egypt? That's cool. Guess what? That really happened. (laughs) Not the way it happened in Disney where Mariah Carey's singing in the back, (laughs) you know. But it really, really happened. God was faithful to his people. when you look at that situation, the exodus, every single person, you got to think, there were pregnant people, old people, there were young people, children. God was able and faithful to take every single one so that none can die. As they're crossing the Red Sea, he's watching over them. Think about that. His faithfulness. Like, man, that would have been a messed up story if we read them. Like, man, God says to his people, come follow me. And only the fast people made it out. <laughs> be, that would mess up the entire word when you think about it. Like, man, that's not really God's faithfulness, but every single one. Come on now. Every single one made it out. How about this? The conquest of the promised land. God brought him out of Egypt and said, listen, you're going to have your own land. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be a good thing. And Joshua, the one who came after Moses, I mean, he was one that God had to work with. Because if you read the Bible, there's a whole book on him as well. Joshua, read your Old Testament, where it talks about how Joshua was sometimes doubting. Ever find yourself doubting God's word? Come on. I know I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. I went to Bible college, but I tell you what, not enough like uh, Bible college or not even enough worship singing can get you to the place where, man, you're going to fall into times where you're going to be doubting God's word. Joshua, this man who's seen God's faithfulness in bringing him out. I mean, the book of Joshua starts off in chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? God is telling him, be strong and courageous. Why is he telling them that? Because he knows there are going to be some things that in your mind, like, God, I can't do that. I can't do that, God. And God was working with them. God was patient and working with them. I'm going to tell you what. If you find yourself at a place like, man, I'm not hope. I can't, I can't find any hope in God's word. God is able to work with you. He wants to work with you. There was a point in time where God even had to tell Joshua, like, okay, God, you have to show me. So God was taking him step by step. And I'm looking at his faithfulness, like even the people who are weak, he's faithful. I don't have enough faith and trust in God. Begin, start now. Amen. God's miraculous power is seen in the miracles of Jesus. Fast forward to the New Testament. Some of you guys who read it. The miracles of Jesus, God's faithfulness. It wasn't just Jesus coming. He wasn't just saying a whole bunch of nice things. But in his power, when people were getting set free from demons, people were being delivered. Come on, God was doing some awesome things, even into the early church fathers. His faithfulness remained. You see, you look out from the beginning to even now in your life. Come on, look. His faithfulness. The basis of our hope is not just on wishful thinking, but on his faithfulness. How about this? Number two. The basis of a believer's hope is on the full revelation of the new covenant in Christ Jesus. Woo! That gets me excited. You see, God wasn't in the stands just watching. It's like, man, I wish they'd get it right. He himself, come on, came, took on flesh. He said, enough is enough. I'm going to take it all on me. The devil no longer has the authority. And when you look at that, the full revelation of the New Testament, Of the new covenant in Christ Jesus. What did he come to do? Why do we celebrate? Why do we get excited? Why is it that we can put our hope in him? It's because he came to defeat the works of the enemy. He came to defeat the works of sin in your life. You see, ever since the beginning, when Adam and Eve came into this world, they disobeyed God, they went off track. What happened? Sin came into the world. And by result, death came into the world. I don't know about you, and I, and I hope it's probably something we don't celebrate or boast about, but I don't know if you've ever been to a cemetery. You never, you never really walk around a cemetery and say, man, there's a lot of hope in this place. You're skipping in, and you don't really do that. Okay, if, if someone does that, you're really like, man, that person's disrespectful. They don't really fully grasp what happened. You've been to a funeral. You don't walk into this place, high five, thumbs up, slapping high. I mean, you get the sense like, man, something no longer is here. Something is gone. Something died. Someone died. See, that's the importance. We have to understand that sin is a big deal. It, when it's full grown, it gives death. It gives birth to death. Jesus Christ came into this world to destroy the works of death. Amen. Open up your Bibles to 1 John 3.8. 1 John 3.8. By his death and resurrection, Jesus shattered the power of of satan's spiritual empire and by doing so demonstrated the authority of god's kingdom amen first john 3a amen it says it like this if you're not there i'll just read it out just listen it says he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Come on, I'm going to read that one more time. It says it like this. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. I didn't say it. He did. God says it. He's calling you out. But he says this because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You know that the Bible says about Jesus, he himself is our hope. It calls him, he is our blessed hope. He's the hope we have. And when we believe in him, what happens is the Holy Spirit makes those things active. It brings it into fruition into our lives. That when we believe in Jesus Christ's work on the cross to save us from our sins, maybe you're here and you're coming to church and you're saying, man, I gave my life to Christ, but man, I just can't seem to get over this. What's going on? I can't seem I always lose my temper. Something always happens where I'm always coming. And I'm like, man, I'm a sinner. It must not work. The Bible is not working. I thought I was never going to sin again. Hello? Even pastors sin. So if I know I'm calling myself out, I know how much more you guys like, man, you know what? There's some things in my life that are going on. When we believe in the work of Jesus Christ and what he did, the Holy Spirit brings it into life. And that authority that when Jesus died and rose from the again is now active in our life. So you can have hope in that, that Christ is changing you. That that new work is continuing on even now. It's like, man, I don't want to quit. It's over. No, he's still working on you. He's still working with you. Come on now. God is wanting to do it. Amen. Colossians 1.27. You don't have to turn there. It says it like this. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that. It gives me something to be excited about. How about this? The basis of our hopes. Number three, God's word is the basis of hope. It's not because I'm coming up here and I have an iPad. I'm reading it because I wrote it yesterday. Like, man, they're going to really like this. It's because God's word is the basis of your hope. It's not one of these things that someone came about, man, let's, we need something to believe in, something to get us through hard times. I got it. Let's write some whole bunch of like hallmarks and we're going to say this is going to get you. No one did that. God himself, through the revelation, through prophets and apostles, gave his word like, hey, I'm going to give you some things because you're going to go through some hard times because of sin. It was your choosing, but I'm going to be with you. And his word has the authority. His word has the power. Open up your Bibles to Romans 15.4. Romans 15, 4. No written book in the history has withstood more scrutiny and more attempts to discredit and destroy it than the Bible. Yet it's prevailed and proven true in countless lives. Its promises and prophecies continue to be filled. Not one thing God has foretold in his word has failed to happen. This is true. Everything you read in the Bible has happened. As a matter of fact, they try to even deny, say, man, you know what? These people in the Bible, if you look to the Old Testament, these people never existed because we have no archaeological evidence of these people. But over time, what begins to happen? They start digging around. They start finding like, man, uh, we found these evidence of, of people and societies. And the only place we have references of them is in the Bible. Oh, but that's because God's word is true. Amen. Romans fifteen four. Let's read it. It says it like this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Highlight that, underline that, do whatever you need to do. Put that on top of your fridge, put it in the counter, put it everywhere you can. I'll read it again. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance, someone say endurance and the encouragement, someone say the encouragement. Of the scriptures, we might have hope. We must place our hope in the word because it endures and it never fails. It will never fail us. See, here's a disclaimer I want to really quickly get into. The disclaimer is this, that those who don't have their hope and trust in God, none of this really works. None of this is really important to you because it works when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you come to him. Many of your problems is, man, I don't want to come to Christ. I just want to believe it about myself. But what do you really believe it on? Chance. You need to come to Christ. This isn't one of these things where, like, man, I like that, but I don't really want to give my life to God, but I'm just going to hold on to that. It doesn't work like that. It's coming to him. It's coming to Christ. Amen. Here's what I really want to talk to you about. Getting your hope off of things, people, people. Expectations and putting it back on Christ. I'm telling you, it is the easiest thing to get sidetracked. We get caught up in man everything that's going on. I mean, we get excited, but we start slipping away. And I want you right now to just start thinking to yourself: Is there any area in your life that you slipped, that you placed your hope and more in this? That man, I can't hope. I can't wait and hope that this happens really should be on Christ I want to give you this in closing I meant I didn't keep you till five you know I was just kidding but some of y'all were getting ready to leave right now come on now focus of the believer's hope the focus of our hope we have our hope in God's grace our hope is not in people I hope that your hope is not in me right your hope is not in the band. Maybe if the band plays a little better, maybe I can love Jesus more. <laughs> if you're saying that, we're not going to do it. <laughs> Man, I hope is in my church that it can give me more events and more things that I can feel better about myself. And it's not that. Your hope as a believer is in the grace of God. Right now, in this life, he extends to you grace. And it's not one of these things, again, where you can feel better and like feel secure. Grace empowers You see, when grace comes into a believer's life, it empowers you. Man, I hope I don't sin. No, I'm not going to sin by the grace of God. Amen? So begin to look at it like that. It's God's undeserved favor, his kindness, his mercy, and help. That when you go through difficult situations, God will be there. His grace is extended to you. You see, and God doesn't promise us nowhere in his word that says you're not going to go through hard times because he knows you will. As a matter of fact, how grace works, when you're going through a hard time, God's grace may come, and he may deliver you from that. And sometimes he won't, but he'll give you the strength to endure it. That's what your hope is in. Man, I hope in this. I hope in that. Your hope shouldn't be in me. I myself rely on the hope of Christ. You know, sometimes we get it all wrong. We make the church, and we make the pastor the superstar. If I can only talk to the pastor. I heard this one time. There was a whole tent waiting to be talking to a pastor. Like, man, the pastor knows what I need. God knows what you need. It's the grace of God. It's not in me. It's not in Pastor Joe. It's not in any of the pastors. It's in God. We go to God. What makes us better than God? Nothing. Nothing. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Psalms 33, 18. Psalms thirty-three eighteen and 19. Amen. The psalmist says it like this. I'll read it out. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Get that in your spirit today. Get that in your spirit as the Holy Spirit right now is beginning to shift your attention, your focus on things and putting it back on Christ and in him. Get this in your heart. This is what it says. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him Whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our hope, the focus of our hope, is in God, is in his grace. How about this? We'll give you two more and then we're going to close it out. The focus of the believer's hope we have the hope that the time will come when our sufferings are on earth will finally be over. When the trouble and corruption that sin brought on earth will end and when our bodies will be resurrected to live forever. I can't wait for that day to be with the Lord, to think about it, that God will put an end to all suffering. He's going to put an end to it. He's in heaven. He's like, man, I want to do something, but I'm waiting till my word comes to completion. But this is what's going to happen. We have a hope for that. I'm not a Christian. I just come in like, man, I got nothing to hope for. I'm skipping my way to church. Like, hey, God, I'm meeting with the Lord. And one day, he's going to end all suffering. Come on now. But the Bible says it like this. This is a lengthier passage. I want everyone to open up there. Romans 8, 18 through 25. Romans 8, 18 through 25. If you're still looking for it, we have it up on the screen for you. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childhood right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. Somebody say first fruits. The first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has already? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Come on. Are you waiting for the promises of God in your life? I don't know about you, but many of us, we have problems because we don't understand God's word. We don't read his word enough to hold on to any promises. So we look to the things that we can hold and grab my family, my job. You need to get your face into the word of God and say, I'm holding on to his word. No matter what will happen, because guess what? Your family would go. You may lose your job, but God's word remains. You need to hold on to it. Don't let no one come up in your life and say, you got to get let go of that. No, you need to let go of me. Hallelujah. You got to get out of here. But saying, God, I'm holding on to you. Amen. Third point in closing, we have the hope in eternal life, which is guaranteed to all who trust and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me in closing? One day we will be with the Lord in glory. <laughs> no more suffering, no more tears, right? I don't know what heaven's going to look like, eternal life. You know, I always had an idea, like, when I die and go to heaven, I'm going to have wings. You know, I'm going to fly around. Like, we're gonna, all going to be eating clouds. You know, I don't know how it's going to look. You know, I was a little kid. I was thinking that. When I began to understand, man, it's not even about that. It's like now I am secure in Christ. I have eternal life. Christ never made it so that we're always here thinking, like, man, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to be with God? Is he really there? He's there. (laughs) And we have the hope of eternal life being with him. John 17, 3 says it like this. Now this eternal life that they may know you. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Oh, this is eternal life that they may know you oh god jesus christ whom you have sent see i don't know about you but this message as i was preaching and i was preparing it, it convicted me because so many times you know even as a pastor i confess weaknesses and i know that we're all going through different things and it may not be similar to yours Being a youth pastor, you're working with kids, and man, you want kids to come up every week, and you want them all to get saved. You just want them all to understand Jesus Christ and not going after things, but sometimes they don't show up, and you think like, man, God, I'm feeling worthless. Man, God, this is not how I planned it, not how I hoped it would work out. See, what began to happen, I started putting my hope in youth. How silly that looks. And now that, as I say, we're all like, well, yeah, that's silly. But guess what? If you look in your life and examine your heart, there's been some things that without you knowing it, you placed your hope in. Man, I, man, I put my hope in these things. Have you placed your hope in God, if you're a Christian, you're not saved, hope is in him. Well, now we're going to give you the opportunity just a little bit to pray. But I want you guys right now to just search your hearts. Search your hearts and say, God, I want you to highlight that thing in which I've taken the hope from you. 2013 may present a whole bunch of opportunities for some of us. It may not for others. But your hope was never in the opportunities or things. Come on. Your hope is in Christ. It's in him. It's in God. You see, because when you begin to hope in him and trust in him, see, he takes care of you. Remember, he's faithful to you. He watches over you. But yeah, but I go through hard times, but he will get you through them. Come on, search your hearts right now. Come on, no condemnation in this place, I myself, I know there's things that the Lord has highlighted. And he's saying, Adam, take your hope and your eyes off of that. Put it in me. Come on. If it's been in jobs, take it off. If you get that job that you so desired, maybe six-figure salary, guess what? It's never gonna satisfy you. Even the richest people on earth are always left empty and they're searching for the meaning of life, yet they can't find it in the dollars. They can't find it in all their material possessions because it's in Christ. It was never meant to be in those things. It always fails. It was never meant to be to in relationships. If you're single, Or even if you're married, man, my hope is in my wife. It's in Christ. And he is the one that makes all things beautiful. Come on, search your heart. Just a couple more moments. If I can have the altar workers come on up. We want to pray for you today. Because we're believing that God is shifting things in your life. And he's ripping you from that thing you're holding on to. Maybe that one thing that you're holding on to is, man, I'm really hoping this is the thing that keeps you back and really going after God you ever think about that and God right now by the power of his Holy Spirit see what he's wanting to do is rip that from you so that you can begin to see him for who he really is putting your hope in Christ father right now with all eyes closed across this place we come before you God Lord by the power of your Holy Spirit you have been touching people's hearts in this place And God we're aware of your plans but sometimes God it's easy to lose focus but to put our hope into things Holy Spirit would you rip us from those things right now in Jesus name show us Christ show us the beauty of who you are and everything that we'll need father is in you God I pray right now that every person old and young God and everyone in between that God you would touch their hearts that God, as they begin to release and surrender those things unto you, God, that you begin to put a hope that's found in you, the hope of glory, Jesus Christ. Come on. Father, we pray right now that every person, Lord, will come to know you as their hope. Right now, these altars are open. Before we dismiss into prayer, this is what I want you to do. No one's going to force you to come up here. No one's going to beg you to come up either. You're going to go back home, and you're going to go back and think about some of the things, and you're like, man, you know, I, I never knew about that. See, I believe what the Lord is doing. He's exposing things, bringing it into light. So why wait? Well, I don't believe God's word? I'm going to keep on putting my hope in my job because it's doing fine for me. Your job's not going to fix your marriage. Your job's not going to fix your children. Come on, your children are not going to fix you. Nothing but Christ. So before you leave, we have people that want to pray for you here. We have people that say, hey, you know what? We know this Christ. We're not perfect, but we'll come together and we'll pray to him. Come on, any area in your life, come on. We dismiss you right now to come up for prayer. We're just going to sing a worship song. And as we begin to sing, come on, just begin to come from your seat. Find someone to pray with. 2013, come on, we want to be focused on God focus so- on faithfulness unto his word come on he will never leave you nor forsake you he's able to meet your needs he's able to overcome any situation God you are I want everyone to so sing this out
3: if we can put the lyrics on the screen for me please
2: we're singing this out to God we're not singing this to an idol but we're singing it to a God who's seated in heaven who is listening to us right now come on, some of us need to worship
3: come on, he's restoring our hope
2: in him come on,
3: sing it out of your presence let us experience Glory.
2: just with all eyes closed in prayer come on don't put your attention and focus on me right now it's in you Christ it's in you Jesus hope is in you we trust you Lord we hold on to you now we hold on it may be rocky we may go through some things we may lose people We go through hard times, but our hope was never in those things. It's in you. Oh, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your faithfulness. Because in that, we have our hope. It's not simply wishful thinking to make us feel better about ourselves, but you, God. It's in you, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, be with us as we leave this week. As the new year comes upon us, God, we remember your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we return to your word, Father, to to receive the encouragement and the faith to continue. God, we pray for every person. God, we pray for this church, your church. God, we as pastors remember that you said you will build your church. Build your church, Jesus. Build your people. Holy Spirit. We surrender unto you. Our lives, our family, come on, surrender to him. When we say to have your way, we mean it, Lord. Let us start when we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. If you're still praying or you want to come up for more prayer, the altar work is going to be here with you. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and greet your neighbor and love on him? Encourage you before you leave. But if you want to pray and you're saying, Man, God is still tugging at my heart, please do not leave and I'll get prayed for you.